The best insight, instant feedback, accountability. The all-new Talk Radio Freedom gentlemen as i said to you all earlier on our discussions at this point in time focus on international data and impunity for crimes against journalists and boy oh boy do we have a panel for you guys she's been with us before let me introduce our first guest she's in studio the others will be joining us via zoom hope crossing my fingers crossing everything that we have no issues like yesterday she's been with us before we've spoken about several different things definitely a household name an award-winning Indo-born Trinidad and Tobago multimedia freelance journalist. She's head of the Media Association, won the NGC book, has lit Caribbean Prize non-fiction for the book, Love, The Dark Days. So welcome back to our studios, Ira Martha. Good morning to you. Good morning. Nice to have you with us here this morning. And uh, let's say good morning and welcome to the others joining us via our Zoom call here this morning we have from our sister station gentlemen we've spoken to on numerous occasions as well that's ryan baitru good morning to you okay we're supposed to have ryan um not too sure what's going on with him let's see who else we have here we have uh, out of guyana um demorara waves news veteran journalist dennis chabral good morning and welcome to our program this morning i'm not too sure if good morning hi good morning to you nice to have you with us here this morning we also have as well from out of Antigua, Director of News, Sports and Current Affairs at ABS TV and Radio, that's Garfield Burford. Good morning to you. Okay, I'm hoping very much that we don't have issues when it comes to our connectivity this morning. So let's see if we can get this again. Let's see if we have Ryan. Ryan, good morning to you and welcome back to our program. I don't think the persons, I don't think the, I don't think the panelists are hearing you on via Zoom. I only was able to hear you because I'm listening back to the radio. So we do have a problem. I'm, with I'm our... hearing you, Dennis, but I'm not hearing the host. You're not hearing. Hmm. Um, I'm not too sure why something like this would be taking place, and that's quite a challenge to conduct an interview on Zoom if you can't hear me. Um, so I'm assuming that we're gonna have to take a quick break and see if we can get the technicians in. We do have. Ira Martha in studio. Um, but let's take a quick break, ladies and gentlemen. Let's see if we can get the technicians in so that they can fix this problem. Hopefully, we can get it done quickly so that we can have our interview up and running. This is the Morning Rumble on Freedom 106.5 FM. Stay with us. The best insight, instant feedback, accountability. The all new Talk Radio Freedom 106.5. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen. Well, 
There's a saying, what can go wrong will go wrong. And when it rains, it pours. And today is going to be one of those days. When you deal with technology, anything is possible. And as I just said, well, everything that is possible seems to be taking place. Our, our guests online, um, hopefully... We have the technicians buzzing around in the studio. You can't see them, but uh, they're trying to get everything done and rectified as quickly as is possible. And we do have Ira with us in the studio here. So um, while we wait to get the online guests into the program, let's get our discussion going. Our, our topic here this morning is, is an interesting one, um, but I don't know how much of it is applicable, uh, applicable to us here at home. Uh, as opposed to what we see in other parts of the world and what we experience here at home. And it's about um, acts related to, or acts perpetrated against persons in the media. And today, of course, is that day where we try to highlight some of these challenges so that there is greater awareness of what is going on. And, and hopefully with the awareness comes a reduction in what we are seeing. But when it comes to acts perpetrated against media personnel locally, as, as head of the media association, do we really have that problem? I think the problem we currently have, if it's not outright killing because we're not in a war zone, but the biggest problem we're starting to face in the media today is that of self-censorship. And self-censorship takes place because we are, we, as media people, you know, we've, we've got certain ideals that, that have, objectivity and truth but the reality is that we work for companies we report on people who can have a great deal of power over us can at some stage or the other influence the course of our lives our ability to get a mortgage our ability to get a job uh, our ability for our, our finances our safety so what what's happening right now because we are so high in the world index of crime I would say that our issues are not so much of being, you know, hit over the head or murdered, like, you know, what's sadly happening in Israel and the Gaza today and what's been happening globally for years. Mm. It's that that we have started we have started censoring what we what we say. And whenever that happens, it's a very, very slippery slope. It just means that we're not allowed to do our jobs. We can't be the watchdogs. We can't be the voice of those who don't have a voice. And we uh, do allow those in power to get away with a lot more than they normally would have. Yeah, that, that's, a, that, that's a big problem. And it's, it's, it's a problem that um, many people don't like to talk about simply because they fear the very same thing that, they could, that could possibly happen to them if they report on certain things. And that's victimization. Yes. Um, and it's victimization at several levels. Yes. Because uh, apart from the, the victimization of coming from the individual or corporate entity or whatever else that you're talking about or reporting on, you have media managers who now subscribe to an unspoken rule that we can't talk about this or we shouldn't talk about that because if we talk about this or we talk about that, the report on this or report on that is going to impact our income. That's right, on the advertising. And, and Satish, what I want to talk about as well, I just want to briefly mention it, uh, that the organization that started the Global No Impunity campaign is one called uh, IFEX. And they work to bring to account those guilty of crimes against the freedom of expression. And global organizations and our affiliation with global organizations is extremely important. 
um, in 2013 after lobbying, um, you know, the um, UN General S uh, Assembly recognized November the 2nd, which is today, as the International Day to End Impunity for Crimes Against Journalists. And their work continues all year round. And what's really interesting is that their recent, um, you know, their, their recent research, and they do extensive research, is that uh, they have they have put out a report saying the 12 countries where the murder of a journalist is most likely to go unpunished are one Syri Syria, Somalia, closer to home Haiti, South Sudan, Afghanistan, Iraq, Mexico again close to home. Philippines, Brazil, Pakistan, and India. Well, you know what, you know what, um, what kind of hostilities mm. the, the South Asia faces as well. And you know, today I I think that when I was reading up on this organization, what hit me was what happened. You know, our close neighbor Haiti. You know, um, David Rudder very movingly sang the song Haiti I'm sorry and, and you, you know we all get up in his concerts and we all have tears in our eyes and we say we are sorry but I just have often wondered over the years why as as as, a, as family as family of the region you know we have paid so little attention to what's happening in Haiti so I mean I would like to I would like to say a little bit more about what's happening in Haiti simply as not just because we must care about our neighbor, because I want our journalists and our country here to pick up that aspects of what's happening in Haiti can happen here. You know, it's, yeah. it's very possible for that to happen. So um, if you permit me sure. to say a bit more, um, you know, crisis hit Haiti has emerged as one of the countries where murderers of journalists are most likely to go free, right? And what they say here, and I quote, a devastating combination of gang violence, chronic poverty, political instability, and a dysfunctional judiciary are behind the Caribbean country's first inclusion of C on CPJ's annual list of get away with murder. Now, does that ring any bells? Does that echo on to any of us? We ask why these organizations are relevant to us. So this, we are getting closer and closer there. Because it may be, it may not be that, you know, X number of journalists have been killed, but X number of citizens in Trinidad, over 500 every year mm -hmm. have been killed. Yeah. So after a non-warring country, we have amongst the highest murder rates in the world. So I would like to, to, to say that something like this serves as a warning bell to us in the Caribbean, we sh us in Trinidad and Tobago in particular. How, how, okay, social issues play a big role in, in what the national conversation is. Yes. And one of the things that, that, that influence our conversations to a great extent in this country are our divisions, yes. political, social, racial, those things influence in, in, in an un unhealthy manner in many instances how people think. Now, I can give my personal experience. You're right, we don't have journalists who are shot dead in broad daylight or their homes are firebombed or, or those things and thankfully not. But there is a level of hate yes. that is perpetrated against persons in the media that the average individual is, is not aware of. 
because those stories don't make it. Reporters don't come on the air and, or, 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 or go on television and say, well, you know, I get this, I get that, and this is what is taking place. Personal experience. Sitting on this program is one of the most difficult jobs that I've had to do since I've been in the media. You know why? Because everybody expects something different from you. And then there is what you know needs to be done and how it needs to be done. But sometimes just simply doing your job in the manner in which it needs to be done exposes you. Of course. And, and it exposes you to, to some very troubling elements of our society. I have received everything you can think about. I received death threats. I received threats to my personal safety. There was a point in time, this very same job, when I had to ask management to park in the basement simply because of what people were saying. And, and the, the, the calls they get on air is one thing. Because those persons would call and they express what they have to say. You would get, my phone rings after the show. And sometimes I get calls that are worrying. But it's, it's, it's part of the landscape. And when you do a job like this, and, and in this country we have a, a fallacy where everybody wants unbiased media. They don't. People in this country want biased media, but they want it biased in their favor. That's right. And if you're not biased in somebody's favor, favor is because you're doing this, you're doing that, you're doing it next, you're wrong, and, and they come at you in a very real way. And they come not only at you, but at your family and your loved ones as well. And, and I've had to face that. Look, yeah. and, and, and to emphasize the point, just this week we were having a discussion on crime. And immediately when I breached the topic and I said, we need to have a, a, a rationalized, non-emotional discussion about crime. Somebody called and the, the, the line that was going on it branded me as a racist. And those are the challenges you face. And they follow you when I come off the air. Yeah. And just giving people an, an idea. We fortunately, we've not had instances as a country that have seen it go to the next level. But how, how real do you think it is, a possibility? No, absolutely. It's really real. And, you know, I dread the day that crime spills over to our journalists. And our, one of our journalists is actually a victim of crime and is murdered, you know, mm. in broad daylight, as people are. 500 people, yeah. over 500 people are murdered every year here. But I'm interested in, in, in two or three of the things that you, you just said. The first thing I'd like to say about our country is that because we are such a young country still, you know, we, we came out of indentureship, we came out of colonialism, and we came out of slavery. And I don't feel as a country we have healed in any way from those traumatic arrivals. So if you were to personify a country and make that into a human being, I think that this country is suffering from a certain amount of trauma. And what happens when a people are suffering trauma? There's still an inherited sense of fight or flight, which is why if I say something against you, in, in, that you don't agree with or you say something I, I don't agree with, in general, in our conversations in the public, what happens is that people take it as a direct threat to their lives as they would have when they were traumatized. So it's fight or flight or cuss right? Mm, right so what happens is that if i disagree with you and you disagree with me the way people in our country react is very much the way of a traumatized individual 
So we either cuss somebody out or we leave them. Or we leave this, the, the situation and we ghost them, mm-hmm. right? So if that has become our national psyche, we shouldn't be surprised that people take it very, very personally if you say that, you know, I actually think that the the government is right on something. I actually think the opposition has a point because they immediately feel rejected and they feel under threat. So most people in this country, Satish, and in countries like ours, I think feel under threat all the time. Mm. Not just because if you think of our population, every single day they come to work and they don't know if they're going to be one, a victim of crime. Our judiciary, as 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 is the case of of Haiti is has not been is is it's a decent it's a good judiciary but it's very slow and you know and when justice is that slow justice can be denied to the ordinary person mm. so we have that then we have the whole issue of you know as a developing country th- the raft of problems that we face our you know our infrastructure is is terrible most people go to work they don't they they bathing some people bathe out of a bucket our um schools you know there's violence in our schools and there isn't in, the teachers aren't paid enough so you they say that the health of any country is measured by the gdp of our health and education how mm. much of our percentage do we spend on that i don't think too much so I mean if you if you look at a country that is suffering at so many levels and just a simple case of traffic you know people have to drag their young children out sometimes at 5 in the morning to make it to their schools then go to work and then go back I think that and and the sad thing about it is that we've had the oil we've had the money mm. we've had so many opportunities to sort it out but we haven't and a country under trauma means that journalists are also under trauma and because we are public and you're public that people will never come to you and say hey satish you know i didn't agree with point a or b that you made they'll just they'll just do the thing that we always do they point at race and they point at politics we've we as a nation we've allowed our differences to be used against us we've allowed persons to harness our differences and 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 energize them in a way that that has worked against us as a population because we can't be united on anything but satish let me ask you something do you think we are really that different yeah like, we are not actually well, we may eat different food and some of us may look we, well of course we look different and but that's just ethnicity because you know when you think about it how different are we really well on a physical sense maybe not but when oh. it comes to to personalizing things uh, and people's perceptions are are their realities the, the the sad reality in this country is that there is a growing level of hate and animosity. In days gone by, we would have been able to discuss issues and remain civil and professional and understand that we could agree to disagree, but that doesn't mean that I have to hate you. But if you look at social media now and you look at what is spewed from all levels, from political parties and supporters, from general people, it is alarming. But Satish, let me say this. I, I, was, in, I was in London recently, and you know, tension has, tensions have been really high. There have mm-hmm. been marches of hundreds of thousands of people with what's happening in Gaza right now, right? And I was in a room full of South Asians 
friends of mine. So there were Pakistanis there. Uh, there were people from Bangladesh there. There were people from India there. There were Hindus and there were Muslims. There were people on the far right and the far left. And everybody got along because at the end of the day, we, we spoke the same language of, of a, a similar culture, uh, a, 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 you know, a, a way of, of living and a similar civility. And I bet you have, and I know you have the same thing okay, here but, in Trinidad. But how exactly long? Exactly the same thing. It's the politicians. It's the politicians and their kind of terror groups that, I mean, if you look at what Netanyahu is doing, he's just say, doing that to keep power. To, and, or if you look at what the, uh, the terrorist groups are doing, like Hamas, it's, they're about power, and it's politicians who always divide us. Well, I, 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 I guess as well, if you take a room full of people from all walks of life in Trinidad to be going to put them in a room for a, sp a specific number of time, they'll be civil. But More than civil. But we love the problem, each other, Satish. I, I, I'll tell you why I'm beginning to question the level of love that exists. I'm not saying that there are people who don't. Eh? Mm -hmm. Because you have communities that are as mixed as you can get. And, and people, people live amongst one another. But yeah. there is a deep-rooted division in this country, as you alluded to in the beginning, that we've not been able to address. And it, you, you see it, you hear it plays itself out at the most inopportune times. We can, and when I say we, it's because of the, the prevalence of it. We have a discussion taking place now about religious hate and whether or not religious hate exists in this country. You have joint statements from the two highest levels, the Prime Minister and the Opposition Leader, who are saying that that religious hate does not exist. You have the IRO leader coming forward and saying that does not. You have to be naive to no, believe. I, I think I think they know it exists, and I think that both sides feed it, and that's that's the hypocrisy of it. So they are mouthing things that they think that the population should hear to suit but a political agenda. But everything they do, in general, I think in politics is divisive. But can I tell you something and put us in context? Sure. In. Uh, about 10 years ago in, in the state of Gujarat in India, right? The current Prime Minister of India, Modi, presided over a massacre of over a thousand Muslims. And that was after, oh, I think it was actually much more, and that was after some Hindus were murdered on a train. That is religious hate. And what you're actually seeing in parts of India now where people are going after churches and, and mosques, that is religious hate. And what you see what you see here is not religious hate. It's 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 talk. It's talk. It's talk based on on anger and frustration of everyday life. You take these same people and you put them in the oval and you get you get people you, you get, you know, the West Indies playing against Australia or whatever. You will see the how these West Indians get along. I mean, I think that when you look at the world and the way the world is, you will see, you know, I've been to Israel. I've, been, you know, I've, I've been, I was there during a couple of intifadas, one of the intifadas. I saw men in machine guns standing on top of mosques, pointing down at the people who were going to pray. That is hate. We do not have hate. I have not gone, gone uh, I'm, you know, my mother's Muslim, my father's Hindu, and I don't know what I am, but I have not gone to a single house of prayer here and I 
and and heard anybody not one preacher say that race is good that race is bad our religion is good that relation that religion is bad satish it is the politicians who systemically do it week after week after week and it's a kind of gaslighting to then come back and say no there's no there's no religious hate well they feed it they no. feed it by you know we need constantly. to take a, a quick break to take us up to the news and then when we get back on the other side of it oh hopefully um we have our zoom up and running so we can include in our discussion our other guests this morning stay with us the best insight instant feedback accountability the all new talk radio freedom 106.5 Four minutes after eight. This is the final hour of our show. Once again, see if we can have our guests online. Join our conversation. Let's see if we can. Uh, let's try again. So, welcoming to our program, we have uh, Dennis Chabral, a journalist. Uh, welcome. Good morning to our program. Hello. Good morning. Uh, we're hearing you fine. Good morning. Are you hearing us okay? Hi, Dennis. You're still okay. Hi, Dennis. Good to hear you again. Mm-hmm. Okay, so we have Dennis Chabral, we have Garfield Burford. I think I heard the show host. I thought so as well. The studio, yes. Right. Um, hmm. and we, um, but I'm not hearing it again. Okay, so we, we still have the same problem. that they, They're not hearing us. And we have Ryan Beachy joining us. Good morning. Ryan, are you hearing us at all? They seem to have technical problems because I'm listening back on the radio and uh, they're not... Okay, it seems as though, uh, unfortunately, we're going to have to reschedule. We're going to have to reschedule these interviews. I'm I'm just so sorry about that. Because they're not hearing us at all, and you can't conduct an interview when they can't hear the host. You definitely can't. We have with us in studio head of uh, the Media Association, Ira Mathura. We apologize to our other guests. We're going to have to reschedule. Um, Our production assistants will contact you all and make the arrangement. We were talking before we went to the break about what's going on in our country and tying it back to attacks on journalists and whether or not there's the propensity for such a thing to take place. Let's let's take a couple calls to encourage people to be a part of our conversation. Let's see who's there. Hello, good morning. Good morning, Satish, and good morning to Ms. Matur, President of the Media Association of Australia and Tobago, and all others who may, may be listening. You know, you were speaking about the murders in Trinidad and Tobago, but you know, we had a president who told us that streams flow into rivers and rivers flow into seas. We live in a country where corruption is endemic in this society. I want to give you a brief example. I'll be very brief. I met an old friend in the supermarket who told me her son had turned 17 and he's going for his license. But the instructor told him he had to get an extra $2,000 because that was to share with the inspector so he could get his license. So I said to her lady, your son is 17 years old. 
Why are you involving him in something like this? Why he has to grow up in a society believing that everything that he do, he has to pay a bribe or maybe even take a bribe in order to operate in society? Have journalists in this country ever gone into the life's office, see what they do and expose and be brave and do it? The question about metric tons of drugs coming into the country, coming into the country and living by perhaps a thousand mules. Have you ever interviewed a mule? The last mule I heard about, he went to a private hospital in St. Augustine, they removed the the stuff from his belly and give it back to him and nobody was charged. The doctor wasn't charged, the mule wasn't charged, nobody was charged. So this is cyber society we live in. I think journalists in this country need to take some more risks for the preservation of the state because it would seem to me that we are living in a crooked state and we will continue that way. I listen to your comments. Okay, thank you. Let's take another call before we get your comment. Hello, good morning. Good morning, Satish. Good morning to your guests and good morning to the listeners. Satish, we in Trinidad, we just live in harmony. All the races, all the religion. But you see, when the election bell ring and they're putting up the poster and they're having the meeting, many of the people in the community, they run with that. And that is the problem in our country. But other than that, because where I was employed, I was the only East Indian. Everybody was African. And there was harmony, peace. But the minute election bell ring, there it is, the hate comes in. Thank you ever so much, and have a blessed and wonderful day. Okay, thank you so much for your call, your comments on the, the call that we had. Well, regarding um, the gentleman who said the journalists are not doing enough, I think that actually our journalists take risks every single day and are out there oftentimes alongside the police sometimes on their own and they are doing I mean especially the crime journalists in this country I personally know of many of them who've been traumatized because if you as a journalist are looking at literally hundreds of bodies in a single year and you are working alongside a police force that is rife with problems. You're working with a judiciary that is where justice is constantly delayed. You're working in uh, in conditions where, you know, you, you actually don't have that support. I like, you know, I, I, I really applaud this gentleman's ideals, but I was wondering if, uh, you know, does he think that journalists should actually go out there and literally... Um, risk their lives and uh, you know take bullets in order to deal with this crime problem that has plagued us literally for decades and is much bigger than any of us somebody as david rudder said is letting the cocaine pass somebody is bringing in the arms and uh, you know i don't know if you're aware but uh, there are over 25 thousand young men in the east-west corridor and a huge amount of young men around in other parts of the country who are part of gangs. And so much of this, of this is out of the hands of the small people. It's out of the hand. We journalists at that level are very, very small players. If you're saying that we should go out there and take bullets, well, then I completely disagree with it. I think that we, sh we ought to keep doing the investigation, which we have been doing. And in fact, Trinidad and Tobago's journalists rank amongst the highest in the World Freedom Index and keep going up in that 
um, in that category. And I'd like to remind the, the, the caller that journalists in this country are not paid very much uh, and have amongst the highest rates of, of uh, mental health and physical health issues. And most of them, I mean, in fact, I, I can't think of any of them who have not in recent years have died on the job and died very young because it's an extremely high risk, high stress job. So mm. I'd like to advise you to, um, you know, think about what the journalists in this country are doing on the behalf of the people and maybe just this once applaud them. Let's take another call. Hello, good morning. Hello, good morning, um, Satish. Uh, good morning to Ms. Eva Marfu. Uh, a true veteran in, in, in the um, field of journalism. Well, I've known you for many years. <laughs> I think TTT, right? Yeah, I think for instance, as far as like that. Um, my question to you, um, I have noticed because in years gone by, we've seen a number of investigative journalists um, in Trinidad that have done human service in terms of, of um, shining a light in certain dark places in our country. I've noticed that there's been a tailing off in terms of investigative journalists and one by one they've basically all disappeared and i don't know if that is a skill that is still available in Trinidad Tobago, but i think it's something that's desperately needed um i don't know how you feel about that um, i don't know if there's more that can be done from the editor's desk um point of view um where but i think i think i'm asking what what how can we bring more investigative journalists into trinidad and tobago in your opinion thank you that's a great question. Um, and I think investigative journalism is required in our country. And we, as you pointed out, uh, we have had it. I think the way to deepen investigative journalism in this country, you have to have a lot, several structural support systems put in place. For one, we need a much, much stronger legal <coughs> supportive department in our, in our newsrooms. We need uh, police support. And because journalists are so tied up with, uh, are so vulnerable, not just to the vagaries of the everyday crime, but they are vulnerable to um, crime, at a, I, I guess, to uh, repercussions at a very high level. We need the police support. We need the judiciary support. We need legal support. We need legislative support. In such a tiny country like this, where everybody knows everybody, and I'm sure every caller here knows somebody who just pulled out a gun who over, over $50. So I think that given those constraints, our journalists have done a yeoman's job but we do need a lot more support from editorial departments, from the police, and from legislative, uh, and, and from our legislation in this country that I think we need more, more protection. Do you think, uh, and this is a question um, in your capacity as head of the media association, um, have you had reports? Is there growing evidence? Is the fallacy to suggest that politicians exert influence on media houses and and we see this self-censorship or this reluctance to deal with certain issues because there's as we alluded to earlier on the the spend that they dangle this carrot over the heads of media houses and because government is one of the biggest spender when it comes mm -hmm. to revenue for media houses there there can be a watering down of what is reported totally and the and what politicians are also doing which is reprehensible is in social media uh, they have hired 
um, several people who are supposed to be, I suppose, um, I don't know, celebrities or, or, or people who have uh, influencers who, who somehow with their dialect, with the way they speak, they, they, they promote government agenda by, um, with, with the language that with I would say the lowest common denominator. So going for attacking other people, um, making people feel attacked, separating people. Um, so so politicians are using various devices, and it's no longer the politician like has happened in our country appearing in a, in the radio station saying you can't do that. They are now using much more sophisticated ways of repressing journalists. It could just be a call to the managing director and say, hey, you can't say that about me, and you know the managing director or whoever says, oh my God, you know, this is going to mean th hundreds of thousands of dollars of um, advertising revenue lost. How am I going to pay my journalists? And everybody gets told, hey, you know what, shush a little bit on that. And so that happens constantly to journalists. You know, it's not just as, because we are, I have been reminded in, you know, in my time as a journalist that guess who's paying, guess who's paying the bills? Guess who's paying your salary? Mm -hmm. So you can't you can't bite the mouth that feeds you. So yes, I mean, and you know, given all of that, I would still say that our journalists have have been amongst the most unafraid, and our editorial departments and editors have been amongst the most afraid in the world. And I, I, I don't know how they do it daily, but they do. Well, I think we had a call six two seven three two two three six two five two two five seven. Let's see who this is. Hello, good morning. as to how mm -hmm. social media has allowed people to become emboldened yeah. with certain things and behaviors that they normally would not engage in. And, yes. and has that added to the threat? Of totally, media? Satish. You know, when you and I started off as journalists, we, 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 weren't, we weren't figures of our own. We did the news, but it was never about us, mm -hmm. right? And now every journalist, is a, is a, because it's hard to change, is a personality, right? So... Uh, the journalists themselves become the news in a way that we never were. So if we covered, say, you know, you, you, you covered some, um, 
the the prostitutes and in, in in near Kurep or you went into the Beetham. That was the story. It was never about us. What what's happened now is that people now have access to us in a way that they never ever did before. Because if you don't, if somebody doesn't like you or me, they just go onto our accounts and they can actually say anything, literally anything that they want. I mean, I have been told to drown in my own vomit and mm-hmm. go back to India. And I mean, some of the worst things. So I think part of us has to become, if journalists today face that extra uh, pressure in that you have to know that this is, this is what you've chosen. You, you, you're not in here to be liked. And you have to keep your mind very straight. You have to know that what I really want to do, I am speaking on behalf of the vulnerable. I am going to question people in power and who are acting on behalf of the rest of the people. And I'm just going to go that way. And people are going, they're going to cuss you. And they have, they've cussed you, they've cussed me. And that is just the way it is right now. And I think that we just have to, at some case, just like phase out those voices from our heads and carry mm-hmm. on with the work. But that is one of the added pressures of being a journalist, for sure, because you're so exposed. In, 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 every, in every profession, you'd have persons who contribute to the decline or demise in some, in some way. Um, media personnel over the years have contributed they would have some would have been contributory negligent in in some of the actions that they engaged in uh, we've heard the stories of of persons who are on payrolls um, and they're in media houses in very influential positions and that's disgusting uh, it's it's it, it should never happen but it does and and we have evidence that played out in the public domain through court cases and everything else where you hear of persons who were too involved in one way or the other with political entities, with political parties, with other different groups having agendas and everything else. Where are we at this point in time? Has the media been compromised to the point where people no longer have that level of respect that they should have? Is that part and parcel because of the actions of of persons within the media? Is it because of how fluid things have become with social media where are we i think satish i want the country to rest assured that we're in a great place i mean despite everything i think journalists like like doctors Mm -hmm. like teachers once you get into this profession and once journalism gets into your blood it's very hard for a journalist to be corrupt because you're your main aim in life isn't to make money because you can't be in this profession to, to make, make money. money. Yeah, sure. Right? You know it and yeah, I know that's, it. That's for Your sure. main aim in this life is <clears throat> to do what you love and to deal with the everyday people of Trinidad and Tobago and to give the everyday people of Trinidad and Tobago a voice. Once that profession gets into your blood, it's it's hard overall to corrupt people. I mean, you've I don't know if you've been part of our WhatsApp mat groups like during COVID. You know, journalists have spoken out if they've felt that they've not had access to the president's house, not had access to parliament, reporters, you know, and without any fear of of any repercussions, because this is what we do. And I think that that fire of this is who I am as a journalist. If I think about you, you you pitch up every morning, day after day. You are, you know, you're doing virtually everything in the studio with the help of a, you know, you do have the, the support of a producer, but literally you're running the whole show yourself. Mm-hmm. That must come under such a, 
a lot of weight. I mean, what happened to you this morning with three Zooms perhaps not working out, you know, just one one stu- one person in studio, that all that adds up. And why do you do it, Satish? Why do you do it day after day, deca- decade after decade? Because I bet when you go on the streets and some person looks at you and says, Satish, that program you had today, boy, you you were able to bring out to light something that I have always wanted to say, but you were able to say it on our behalf. And this is how journalists advocate for the people of this country day after day, whether it's about infrastructure or crime or, or you know, the state of uh, education or teaching or corrupt politics. That is what we do day after day. And this is our passion. And sadly, many of us have died a little too young from the stress of it. But I think that it's the state of journalism is very robust in this country. Hmm. Uh, we have some messages sent into our WhatsApp. We'll get to those in just a bit. We have a, a couple co- um, messages for you. And then we get back. We continue with our conversation, taking some more of your calls as well. Our special guest in studio, president of the Media Association, Ira Mathur. And of course, um, our conversation continues on the state of the media in Trinidad and Tobago, possible threats to journalists. Stay with us. The best insight, instant feedback, accountability. The all-new Talk Radio Freedom 106.5. Welcome back. Our special guest in studio, head of the Media Association. Let's look at some of our messages this morning one saying it seems as though based on some of the articles journalists seem to be politically aligned what are your views on this um we've we've gotten to a stage where there are some people who are in the media who make it abundantly clear that they support one school of thought as opposed to the other Mm -hmm. um there are some people who do not even try to to fake that listen i'm trying to be as impartial as i can there are some people who try to be impartial and their impartiality is 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 thrown out the window because somebody don't believe them and oh on one one day you you say something that people agree with the next day you say something that you disagree with and and you're branded left right and center i get that all the time um to the point where one gentleman said to me that he does not know who i support politically and i said that's a good thing because if, if you knew who I supported politically, it means that I'm not doing my job the way I'm supposed to. There are people who have ideas in their minds based on some of the discussions we have and the position that I take. Because I'm on a program where people expect me to give them my opinion, whether they agree with my opinion or not. Mm-hmm. Uh, which is vastly opposed to when you're operating in news. When you are in a news setting, in a newsroom, your opinion has very little place, if any place at all, in the news. I mean, there are opinion pieces that you can do, but in, in putting together a news story, um, it, 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 it should not be a situation where you try to influence the viewer, the listener, or whatever else, based on your own personal biases. Um, I <coughs> Sorry, Satish, I, I disagree with that. I mean, if you look at the whole tradition of newspapers, and yeah. we've inherited that here in, mm-hmm. the, in Trinidad, um, I- I- you look at the Sun and the Daily Mail, which probably has the highest circulation of papers in the world, right. something shocking like that. They are openly right-wing. 
right? They completely support the government. They're conservatives. You know, you can you can bet your they support Brexit. They support every right wing decision. You know, they support you know getting rid of lockdowns, no vaccines, every right wing comment right. that you. And on the other hand, then you have the Guardian. You open up the UK Guardian, and you know you're going to get the biggest liberal left wing point of view that the that every left wing person in the country believes mm -hmm. in. So there is actually a very there in the, in the newspaper tradition. There is a place for journalists to uh, join organizations with whom they're politically aligned, or even if they're not politically aligned, to take uh, to take the stance of that paper there's nothing wrong with that i think what is once you have full disclosure you can be what you like within the constraints of your organization the confusion we get in this country is mm -hmm. that we don't have any clear ideology because whether the unc comes into power or pnm the ideology is all the same it's about you know how it's out and what's you know and that's it, really. How are we going to share that? Because we certainly haven't diversified in any way. Mm -hmm. So then what are you left with? You're left with uh, the country cracked in two like a watermelon. One half is of East Indian descent. One half is of African descent. Right. So what people end up playing on what they call politics is literally is it's just race. And it depends on where you it's a race and it's urban versus non-urban. It's literally, th th that is our politics. And that's what we've come down to. And I believe that the, the idea of objectivity is something that most papers do strive for in our three papers because mm -hmm. we are not, you know, ostensibly politically aligned. But open The Economist this week and they are totally pro-Israel. You open, which is, which, is, which is shocking, but... But then you understand it. They're conservative paper, they're business paper. Of course, they'd be, you know, of course, they would take that stance. So the problem with us is not so much that, you know, journalists are, you know, journalists should be fair or not. The problem with us is that we're terribly, we have confused race with ideology. When last did the people of this country have a, have a talk about, you know, have a differences like fights over, you know, how should we use the money in, in infrastructure? That's politics. How should we, uh, you know, what is what is the ideology of our foreign affairs with um, with 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 Cuba, with mm -hmm. Venezuela? That's politics. What we currently have is just a little version of you Indian, you African, and that has unfortunately come down to our politics. That's not politics. Whichever government comes into power, they're going to do ex almost exactly the same thing and keep people dependent. Hello, good morning. Morning, morning. Good morning. Um, to against Satish, I want to make the point that we are very fortunate here. In certain countries, government engages in killing journalists and so on. A journalist is a very serious job, very serious. And come, I'm hearing what you are saying. And I hope that, that that's that the truth coming from you, because we expect from you all the facts. The facts. That's what you want, the facts. Sometimes you may not need your opinion. But what we, the readers out here, the listeners, we want to know the facts. Thank you very much. Mm. Okay. Thank you so much Thank you. for your call.
looking at some of our messages sent into 3061065, one saying, Many journalists put their biases clearly in their social media, and it reflects in their stories so much that people who are familiar with the topic's events are aware of guidelines shaping the framing of the story over the bare full facts, etc., and they grow disillusioned. Uh, let's see what else we have. Um, another one saying, It seems as though, based on some of the articles, journalists seem to be politically aligned. Uh, we asked what was the views on that one as well. Keep sending your messages to 3061065. Coming back to the issue of, of journalists and the pressures, attacks might be the wrong word, it may be applicable in some instances, but the pressures that they face. Uh, let's take this call before we get to that point. Hello, good morning. Hi, morning. I got from this number. Yeah, I'm not too sure who would have tried to call you from this number. This is Freedom 106.5 FM. Um, I really can't say. I'm sorry about that. I guess whoever tried to call you, they're going to try to call you back a little later as well. Um, uh, the Media Association of Trinidad and Tobago would have the information through its members of, of some of what they experience mm -hmm. and would be able to put the pulse on, on what's taking place in the country at this point in time. Do we have an increase in fears and concerns amongst media personnel that... Listen, you know this thing getting real volatile. The place, uh, the 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 atmosphere is one that I'm not comfortable with. I mean, there is some of that. Um, I say, I would say, particularly within with crime reporters, perhaps. But crime reto crime reporters do what they do because they they love to do what they do. But I think more than that, Satish, just like the rest of the country. Media report, media, the media and journalists in the media are also getting increasingly disillusioned, and they they are disillusioned because they are reporting politicians saying the same things over and over again. They are seeing that money is spent in in crazy ways and not necessarily in the interest of the ordinary people of this country, um, and they've heard all the arguments so many times i've personally heard it over three decades and you know the same things are being said over and over again what media workers are facing in this country and lots of them sadly even very good ones are sometimes coming out of the media is because they're very they're, they're poorly paid they're poorly represented they uh they have um, there's very, very little training, paid training, that's uh, given to journalists. Literally, they are hurtled from deadline to deadline. Um, there's, it's, 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 a, it's a job that doesn't allow for family life. It's a job do that doesn't allow for most media workers to actually even have time to uh, look after their own health. So I would say that in many cases, I am always in awe at the fact that it keeps it continues but you know a lot of the young ones coming in use journalism as like a i think a stopgap measure until they get better work and better conditions and better you know because sadly i don't think media owners recognize that journalists are the fourth estate we are literally one of the pillars of democracy and without us you know, in a country that's already very, very chaotic, there would be so much more chaos and so much more 
you, you know, the the divisions between the haves and the have-nots mm-hmm. would, would widen. Let's take another call. Trans back, 627-3223-625-2257. It's it's not necessarily on the front burner, simply because, as I said, you know, media personnel do come out and complain. Um, Because sometimes if we complain, (laughs) you know, you're replaced. I'm not saying, it. you know, we don't have that kind of job security that an accountant or a lawyer or an engineer or even a doctor could have. You know, because these days, emphasis is not placed so much on, hey, let's do some really brilliant training in various fields, as they do in, I guess, developed countries, so that you have the economics reporter, you have the political reporter, you have the social services reporter, you have the crime reporter, and it's all clearly demarcated, and every one of them is sent for training, Mm -hmm. right? And And they're paid well. Over here, what I think often happens, people maybe come out of, uh, you know, a, a training program. They're shoved into a newsroom and said, hey, go. Right. And the reason media workers, the media owners find that easy to do is that if you produce a certain amount of, you know, radio airtime, I produce a certain amount of columns or whatever uh, per paper per day, then, you know, the advertising comes right mm-hmm. so what what every and most media houses contrary to what people think actually lose money right so that i mean sometimes you you feel lucky to be actually working in a media house you feel lucky to have this job where ironically enough it's seen as a little bit of glamour cuz people know you know who you are but that whole sense of feeling lucky to actually being working working is exploited crazily mm-hmm. i don't i'm sure many times people come up to you satish and say hey have a look at have a look at what, what i write that's what you do for a living and you do it for free right mm-hmm. but if you go to a lawyer's office that that uh, that 20 minutes is ticking by the minute and you're yeah. paying for it yeah. so i think our work is it needs to be um, appreciated a lot more let's take another call hello good morning hello and good morning Good morning to you. Good morning. Uh, I think, with the clarity, I think that Ramesh Rama had his ample and it highlighted if you, the president, to speak, because you can't be victimized. Because once you are speaking and you're in line with the truth, you cannot be victimized. And I think um, you, that is all the journalists need to do now, because we're not going to put in any situation. All that you buy, that yourself, and you go with that, because people gravitate to the truth. Have a good day. Thank you so much for your call. Let's take another call. Hello, good morning. Yes, sir, I'm Sadish. Personally, I think the media is very biased. Because when coming to this government, they don't report everything and, and press this government the way they press the other government when it was in office. You all are very biased. I understand what the lady is saying that when it comes to your job, it's a job security. If you open your mouth, then you'll be in problem. Because many times the Prime Minister refers to media personnel, I will never report nothing bad against him. They have to speak by the same, as the same thing as the Californian in this country. Different government in office, they sing what everything about the government. When this one is here, they shut them out. So what is very trying to put uh, cover white policy, shoot black policy? No, madam, don't do that. Everybody meet you all out in this country. Right? Have a nice day. Thank you so much for your call. There are some perceptions amongst the population that you'll be um, it, it's very, very hard to shake. Uh, one of the things um, that I'd like to get your comments on as well are standards. 
Mm-hmm. I, I had a conversation with someone recently about some of the things we see taking place in the media and are allowed. And I asked the individual, how come it seems that all of these campaigns, they get more and more movelang and they get more and more intellectually bankrupt. And the more intellectually bankrupt, the more movelang, the more popular. Yeah. And, and the individual said to me, well, that is what the ad agencies want. Yeah. And that, that, was, it. that was, I, I probably think, one of the, 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 the greatest bits of evidence that you could get as to why things are the way they are, because of money. It uh, is. And, and as, as the media association, you would be, I don't want to say concerned, but you'd be monitoring the quality of what happens in our media as well. Has it gone down? Is it still high? Or do we have just these nuances that dominate everybody's um, attention so we think that things are as bad? What's, what's going on? Well, I, there's no question about it. I mean, the standards have gone down from the grammar in the newspapers, from the way, um, you know, you, you see talk show hosts speaking. But Satish, just take this program between, uh, you know, this program. We're speaking of, gl- in some senses, global issues as well, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and we're speaking about standards. Now, if you if if you replace this program with a program where literally you had two sides of people attacking each other on any issue, people are going to go to that. You might have, you know, a hundred thousand listeners. The other side's going to have two million, or so there aren't even two million, but you know, one point two million people. Mm. So. I think what's been developed in this country, and that's also part of the education, the failure of the education system, is everybody gravitating towards the lowest common denominator. And that is whether it comes through in our, in the lyrics and in, in some of our sokas, or, you know, or, or chutney or whatever it is, or what's happening in social media. Mm-hmm. The lowest common denominator means you don't really have to think. You don't have to, you don't have to study. You don't have to look up any words you don't have to have any critical thinking it's easy right Mm -hmm. so i think that that is that is what has happened in this society and you know when i think about i I mean i'm I'm sorry but but this is a society that i know well when i think about what what happens in india right every single ad in india and i was there a few years ago and i is it's all about family and business and studies and work right and I felt a bit, I, I thought about that yesterday when I was in the gym and I was listening to Soka, which I, which I love, but it was all about, you know, let's break away. Let's, you know, let's mash up the place. I mean, mm-hmm. all our, and that might have partially to do with the history of a new world country. But if that is what young people and most people are listening to, which is like, you know, I, basically one side, basically hearing over and over let's break away let's mash it up let's mash it up you know and it's some of them it's very you know some of it is sexually explicit i don't want to come across as a prude because i'm not but i'm just thinking what are the subliminal messages that you and i leave this building every day here Mm. and a lot of it has to do with the psyche of a country I mean, India's now become the second from, you know, from being one of the poorest countries of the world. It's, it's you know, it's now a, a tiger in terms of education and, and uh, you know, economy. Yeah. But th- a lot of it has to do with 
what are the subliminal messages we mm. receive day after day? You know, I, I sit here every day and, and, and I, I hope that at the end of the day, there's something that would have benefited the listener. They learn something, whatever else. And the news is a big part of the program. It's a current affairs show, yep. by and large. But sometimes I have to hold my media colleagues to task as well. Because you see stories and you put yourself in the, in the position of having, sit, having to sit in that press conference and you ask yourself, well, did nobody think to ask this question? And, and, and I, many, years, many years ago, um, while I was in television, there was one instance where a reporter went and, to an event at 8 o'clock in the morning mm-hmm. and came back and, um, well, I pulled what I wanted from it for 12 o'clock news. And then I asked, I asked, well, at three, four o'clock, well, how, how come your story isn't finished yet? What's going on? To get the response that she was waiting to see what everybody else would, what angle everybody else would take wow. on this story. And it, that signaled to me that she didn't have the passion. Because if, or, if, or, or the training m- to do probably it. Probably the training. Uh, because I remember you were a go-getter and the event you went to was never the story. The story would always be something more that you can get. And you were always trying to get the edge above everybody else so that your story wouldn't be minister so-and-so says so-and-so. Mm-hmm. That's one of the, 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 the laziest forms of reporting that you can get. But it's, it's dime a dozen. Almost every story now says minister so-and-so says so-and-so. I was looking at a protest that took place in Cuba. I think it was yesterday or the day before for electricity rates. The story started off by saying this group of, of, of residents banded together and felt so moved that they needed to protest against these electricity rates. And the second paragraph was the MP was there. And every paragraph after that was about the MP. Wow. And it lost focus with the human element of how are these people going to cope with this thing? Why did they feel so moved to come when the RIC explained your bill will just go up by $50? All of that went out of the window as soon as the MP arrived. Yeah, because so we've become mouthpieces for politicians. Yes. And I think part of the problem, you hit the nail on the head, Satish. One is you don't have the passion. Two, and this is, I feel so strongly about this. Before you go into a press conference or an interview, do your research. Search. Yeah. Know that, I mean, people come to me and they, they can't spell my name right. And I've been here forever. Right. So I'm just saying, know who you're speaking to. And three, when you're writing your stories, again, do your research so that you can say, in 2010, the same politician was saying the opposite thing. Mm-hmm. And now he's saying something quite different. And if you're talking about the electricity rates, talk about how they've go- gone up. Has it been a, a sharp rise in recent times? What has the explanation of the government been? Has it been in particular areas? And you know, how much has been spent on this, this yeah. um, particular infrastructure? We don't do the research. One of the things that I would have loved to have read in that story was the reporter going to the very protesters and asking yes. them, well, how much is your bill going to go up by? Yes. Because you're looking for That's justification. Basic. You're looking for justification. You're here on the streets, you have placards and that kind of thing. I don't want to dismiss your, ac- your actions as purely political, but what prompted you to come on the streets? And that level of digging deep into the topics, we don't get anymore. No. And it's sad. Let's, let's take about see about one or two calls here. Let's see who they are. Hello, good morning. Good morning, Satish and Miss Matur and Trinidad Tobago. I really want to commend you all this morning for this conversation. I, my background is in over 20 years of communications and liaising with the media, advertising, and government. And I must say that 
everything that you all have spoken about is, as Ira just said, hitting many nails on their heads. This conversation should be packaged and reproduced, and I have to hand it to the station and your media house for being brave enough to have Ira on the program. But again, I don't expect anything less from you, Satish, because these are quintessential issues in the society where the fourth estate has been undermined and in many cases, as Ira is explaining, to no fault of their own, but survivability, which is the same issue that many citizens in this country face. The, the, the issue of taking advantage of the institutions, because on the other side of it, the citizens also don't appreciate and exercise their individual responsibilities to support the institution. And I really, really would like to have, see this conversation continue and be amplified. I hope that it's on your recorded broadcast afterwards because I would like to share it and I would like to listen to it again. I really must commend you all for being brave and honest. Thank you so much. Yeah. Well, the programs are recorded and, and they will be rebroadcast. I, I'm assuming that you'll have access to them. Let's take another call. Hello, good morning. Good morning, Sadish. Good morning, Ms. Mathur. Um, you know, there's so much going on in the country, like there's crimes and gangs. There's um, all these drugs. Remember a couple of weeks ago, two guys bought $100 million worth of drugs or something, and we never did anything of that. There's NTC losing hundreds of millions of dollars. These are things that journalists, you know, can probably think about doing because we don't really get answers to, to anything serious in the country. And, and you know, sometimes one can think, well, but what do journalists really do? I mean, they, they could get their, their companies, the media houses, to get security for them, but there's a lot more they can do. Thank you. Okay, thank you so much for your call. Let's take another one. Hello, good morning. Mr. Satish Panel, a pleasant good morning. I just want to make a brief contribution with all due respect. Um, journalism has been from the beginning of time and it continued. I believe after the human being, after the human race, is the most valuable asset, the most valuable asset on the planet. And it will always continue being so. Thanks again for the opportunity. Thank you so much for your call as well. You know, uh, the media is often the weapon boy. Always. When it comes to persons having issues and, and needing to lash out, they lash out at the media. Yeah. The very same media house that some political supporters bastardize when they're out of office. Mm -hmm. they, they love at one point in time or they love when they're out of office and they, they, they hate when they're in office and that kind of thing. And it's part of the course. And Satish, do you remember, I mean, I don't know if you do, but in 1990, during the coup attempt, there was a blackout of all media houses mm -hmm. except for Radio 610 and how the country clung on to that station. I would like to ask listeners to just think of a world where you wake up and there's no newspapers, there's no morning news, there's absolutely nothing. It's dead. There's no communication. So 
I think it takes an army of people, an army of media workers, journalists across media to wake up very early in the morning, some working late at night to make sure that this country is covered round the mm -hmm. clock, which it is. There are issues that need to be sorted out, but like every other vocation, I think we, we if you support the media in this country, you support democracy and you support the fourth estate. And speaking of which, Satish, I would beg your indulgence for two minutes to say that Matt is about to have its biannual election. Mm -hmm. And, you know, there are all the all the and so the nominations are out. We've sent that to as many uh, media people um, on our mailing list. And we would urge as many media workers, as many journalists as possible to join the media association and to please bring themselves up for uh, mm -hmm. nomination and for elections, which will be held later this month. Uh, the, the, the discussion this morning was a very, very relevant one. Um, digging into a, uh, an element of our society, as, as you said and others have suggested, that many people take for granted because it's just there. It's just there. It's just there, and, and you, are, you are so accustomed to buying a newspaper, putting on the news at night and turning on your radio and hearing something that you really don't miss it until it's, it's not around. And we've had one or two instances that, that showed the absence of it, what could really happen. And Satish, when I came in this morning, I remembered my early days in radio and television, mm -hmm. you know, with two small babies to juggle, waking right. up at three in the morning, putting on makeup in the car, to, you know, to be in television. I'm seeing you doing this here. You know, you come Minus in Minus the makeup, though. Not the makeup. <laughs> no, I'm, actually, that kind of lipstick looks kind of nice on you. I'm joking. <laughs> no, but, you know, I've seen you do this for a long time. You get up early you have to juggle five different guests sometimes for the news you have to you know think about what's happening in the technical side you have to ensure that the ads are played and there's a high stress in this because Satish whatever you do wrong the whole country yeah. hears about it yeah, they do if, if there's an accountant or a banker doing their job you know they make a mistake and their manager might say hey don't do that you know get a wrap over the knuckle but if you do something wrong or if I say something stupid then the whole country hears about it so it's an extremely high stress job and I hope that the country recognizes the kind of service you provide Satish mm. because and not just you the journalists across the board and I want to uh, you know take a couple of moments because I'm not going up as president right. again um, to just say that you know congratulations and thank you for the amazing work you do because the work that you do every single morning Satish is vital journalists like yourselves you're keeping democracy alive you know, well just this morning walking into the building from the car park I met her co-worker uh, we've, we've worked together probably since I've been here in 2005. I know her very, very well. And, and we were both looking at and jokingly asking, well, you know, we really need to be here this morning at this <laughs> point in time. And that's just because it's not, it doesn't seem like work to me. Yes. You know, many, many years, and I'm sure people have heard this, you, you were told that find something that you love doing and you'll never work a day in your life. Yes. I consider myself to be one of those fortunate ones. And so do I, Satish. Yeah. <laughs> because getting it, people, a job in the media is such a fascinating thing. No day is the same. You know, you're doing accounts every single day. You're, you're, you're crunching numbers. You do the same thing. You're teaching. You're basically doing the same thing. In other professions, doctor, whatever else. But in the media, you don't know what the day is going to provide. 
and look at the number of people that we meet from all walks of life. Yeah. And somehow, I think journalists are like priests. As soon as they meet us, people confess to everything. Every that single thing doing. that you can They ask <laughs> you, they, they see you as a beacon of wisdom. They ask you all different kind of questions and everything else. I want to thank you for being with us here this morning. We thank were supposed you. to have five other guests, but unfortunately that didn't happen. So I'm sure that we'll reschedule. There may be a part two to this very soon, and I'm sure that you'll be with us. Whether or not you are the president of the Media Association, <laughs> the, the experience, the wealth of knowledge is what we tap into, not Thank necessarily so the title. Thank you. That's where we drop the curtains here this morning. Our special guest in studio, Iram Arthur, president of the Media Association of Trinidad and Tobago. The best insight, instant feedback, accountability. The all-new Talk Radio, Freedom 106.5.